The Bible also says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing is a bold statement because we have had a long conversation today about all the things that could create anxiety. And yet we're commanded, be anxious for nothing. So that should tell you that no matter what you are faced with, no matter what is thrown at you in family or health or life or you know world events or you know, who knows what uh, tomorrow holds, but no, no matter what comes your way, you can take that and give it to God and tell him, Lord, take this anxiety away from me because you have promised that I am to be anxious for nothing. So I trust you. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice, has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf. It's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then shipped to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. Mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything. And to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Hey, well, thank, thank you for joining me again. I first want to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. We've got Too Tough at the $30 level. We have an, an anonymous family donor giving $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando level at $17.76 a month with Ty. Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Brantley. We have the $10 level with Kevin and Patton Bev. We have the Refined Not Burned level at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Don, Ken, Rick, Mary, and Amanda. Addison Mulder has made his own level at $3 a month. Frank at $1.50 a month. And then the Courage is Contagious with Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, BB King, and Caleb. Next, I want to introduce my, my guest, Steve Russell, a third-generation preacher's kid. Steve, unex- Steve Russell's unexpected walk with Jesus didn't really begin until age 41, after a life-or-death situation with his wife led him to reach out to the Lord for the first time since he was a child. The ensuing miracle saved her life and created a hunger to discover 
Jesus outside of the religion that he grew up in. This journey of discovery has brought about a relationship with the Lord that Steve never thought possible before. Most of his adult life, uh, he had spent as a mortgage business in mortgage business with a brief hiatus in advertising. This business experience has led to touching the lives of people from all sorts of backgrounds. Today, Steve is active, actively involved in worldwide ministry and has more than 50,000 followers on social media. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm hoping you can give us a message for hope for those of us that have been slugging away against the rulers and principalities of evil. Praise God. I, I hope so. I, I love the, um, you and I talked a few weeks ago about the topic of hope. And um, hope is so important when we see so much darkness um, in the world, you know, and, uh, you know, I have talked off camera about, um, you know, the, the, uh, the sickness uh, that hit the world and the, um, um, the needles associated with it. And, uh, I'll, sp- I'll speak kind of cryptically where I can, just so you have uh, less oh. of an editing chore for oh, cross cross platform issues. I-, I put this on rumble and rumble has been good enough to not remove anything. So feel free to speak as openly and uncryptically as possible. Now this doesn't go on YouTube because I've had five <laughs> videos taken off of YouTube so far. Yeah, I saw you had some stuff on YouTube, so I didn't know if that was still active or if it was uh, if you had just given up on it. Um, I put teasers up I'm, there with links to I gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. I have not set up um, a uh, a Rumble channel, but I appreciate the fact that there are there are platforms that are anti speech. Uh, and there are platforms that are freely uh, open with their speech. And, and uh, so I appreciate Rumble for that uh, position that they've taken. But when when talking about hope, um, the, the thing that comes to mind, you know, for, for your viewers, um, my perspective is from a Christian biblical perspective. So when when I'm giving commentary, um, and, uh, I'm looking at the world around us. Um, that's the, that's the perspective that I'm coming from. Uh, I have given my life to the Lord Jesus. And so I'm no longer myself. I've been bought with a price. So the old me has died and I am a new creation in Christ. So as such, I just volunteer myself to, uh, to speak as an ambassador on behalf of the kingdom of heaven where, uh, where possible. So that's uh, just to lay some groundwork of, of where uh, my thought process is. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when talking about hope is uh, Hebrews 11.1 1, that says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Um, Hebrews 11 is, the, is referred to often as the faith chapter, and it's it's got... Uh, a detailed description of the patriarchs and, and the faith that they showed um, over the years, Noah and Abraham and so forth. But that first line um, is, really sets the tone because um, the biblical word used for hope is very different than how we use hope in, in our daily English vernacular, um, you know, just living life in the U- U.S., right? Um 
the Greek word used for hope in that uh, context is elpidzo. And what it means is the, the Strong's definition is to expect or confide in a thing to trust in a religious sense, to wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. So put another way, biblical hope is confident expectation. So when I think about the way that we use hope in, you know, just our daily life, you know, I I hope that I get to work on time, right? I hope that I don't get rained on today. The forecast calls for 70%. I hope I don't get rained on. We use hope in a way that is as if we have no control over it whatsoever. But what's interesting is the biblical word for hope means confident expectation. So imagine that um, you have caught the three o'clock crosstown bus every day for 20 years, and you find yourself at 2.55 sitting on the bus stop bench. What is your expectation? Well, within a few minutes, there's a bus that's going to pull up, right? That is the confident expectation. Uh, That is the hope of your catching that bus from a biblical perspective. So when when I think of hope, that's what I think of is is from the biblical point of view. That is the confident expectation um, through faith. Praise God. So when we look at this dark world that we're in, and, and particularly as it relates to you know stuff going on in Israel and the Middle East, um, it is it's very easy to get caught in the trap of the talking points that the world wants you to be concerned with. Um, you know, with, with Israel and Gaza, it's wh- how much is how much is too much, and when is enough enough? When it comes to retaliation and and war and and this that and the other, with social issues, can a boy become a girl? And you know, these are all things that that the world wants you to argue about and and be um, in conflict over. But when I was when I was thinking about doing this interview, and and I was just kind of taking notes and thinking about hope. Uh, the Lord reminded me of, um, I got this, this board game. I'm sure you guys are all familiar that, uh, it's, it's an old board game called outburst, but what, uh, what you have in this board game is, is these cards. And if you look at this card, it's totally undecipherable, right? The title at the top is uh, variety of flowers, but below you just see squiggles. You know, you can't see anything, but they give you this decoder where you slide this into the decoder and now suddenly you can read it. Uh, the camera may not pick that up very well, but it's just a it's a red film that allows you to see through the noise, uh, so to speak. So what I find in in framing hope from the biblical perspective is looking at the headlines, looking at the news and world events through the lens of the Bible. Bible prophecy, end times prophecy, um, the the promises given by Jesus and and so forth. And um, it's hard to ignore in the in the season that we're living in now uh, that Matthew 24 is sort of coming alive. Um, Matthew 24 being, if you're not familiar, is, is 
uh, where Jesus is giving a detailed description of what the end times will look like. Um, and it talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and diverse places and and all of these things that will be happening, any one of which is not new, right? There's been wars and rumors of wars for as long as humanity's been around, and there's been earthquakes for as long as the earth has been around. Um, but when all of these things begin to happen at the same time is when it becomes very significant. Um, another aspect that makes it significant is the reintroduction of the nation of Israel onto the scene, which happened in 1948. Um, so for thousands of years, Israel was disbanded. You know, they were living in all different parts of the world. Um, the Jews were. Um, but in 1948, just as prophecy um, predicted, uh, the nation of Israel would come about in one day. So in, in the span of one single day, the nation of Israel was reformed again in 1948. Um, on the land that was given to them by God 4,000 years earlier, but nevertheless, it, um, it's significant in that it was reformed in 1948. So fast forward to where we are now, when, when you look at Matthew 24, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about, um, you know, end times eschatology or anything, but the reason that I'm framing it is that no one will know the day or the hour um, when our Lord is returning. But we will know the season, uh, just as you can look at a tree and you see the leaves change and you see fruit coming about, you know that the season of harvest is around the corner. Um, and that's what we are seeing taking place around the world. And just an example of that, I'll, I'll just give you, you know, the, the Euphrates River has dried up recently. That was predicted in Revelation. It's it's a unique um, <laughs> It's a strange thing in the natural for those for those who don't follow the Bible or or are uninterested in the Bible. You might look at that and see what what is going on. That's that's a crazy thing. But biblically, it's just following the script of what is supposed to happen. Um, and this is one thing. On October seventh, when there was an attack on Israel, there were three gigantic earthquakes around the world that took place at exactly the same time. Afghanistan, Mexico, and I forget where the third one was, but they were all significant um, on that same day. Um, we had just the other day 1,400 earthquakes in one day in Iceland, uh, which is a staggering. That's that's I don't even know how you how you gauge that. It just sounds like one long earthquake to me. But they called it 1,400 in one day. So. Um, I, I say all these things as uh, again speaking to your audience, not knowing where you where you stand in terms of knowledge about these things, biblical events and biblical prophecy and so forth. But just recognizing that the season that we are in, um, the the fruit is forming on the tree, um, and as for me, I am. I, I'll just be blunt about it. I'm 50 years old. Um, I am 100% confident that I personally will see the return of Christ in my lifetime. Um, I think we've got less than 15 years, uh, in fact, personally. But you know, I'm not. I'm not dogmatic about that or anything. It's just I'm looking around, seeing the escalation of the way things are are happening, and I'm reminded uh, in. 
um, and in Matthew 24 also, when these things begin to happen, it says, but the end is not yet, but it is the beginning of sorrows. And that word sorrows is a reference to childbirth. And it and for um, for the, the mothers watching this, you will know that you don't go into labor and then the, the child just comes out. There is a process, right? There's contractions and then there's relief. And then there's harder, more difficult contractions. And then there's a shorter period of relief. And then worse and shorter and worse and shorter until the sun comes. And so that's what I believe we are seeing now is the time of sorrows. This is the birth pains, um, as it's referred to, that the earth is going through um, before the sun appears, uh, the sun being Jesus, of course. Um, so we, we come here today to talk about hope. And without Jesus, if you're looking at the things going on in the world and you see protests and demonstrations and you see a um, brother against brother and father against son, and you see these things that are going on in the world, um, if you don't have a biblical reference for it, it can be stressful. It can breed anxiety. Um, but Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble. Um, he guaranteed it. In fact, be, you know, you will have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer for I have overcome this world. There is a peace that settles in on your heart when you have, um, given the steering wheel to Jesus in your life, um, to, to pardon the euphemism, Jesus take the wheel. Um, uh, it is a euphemism for surrendering your life to Jesus. And what happens as a result is this peace that doesn't take away the problems of the world. It just pushes aside the anxiety associated with it. Um, and Jesus said, when you are, uh, all those who are weary and heavy laden come to me for, I will give you rest, um, and take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, uh, I presume there are a lot of you watching this that have a heavy yoke because you're seeing what's going on in the world. You're seeing, um, the atrocities that happened in Israel, um, and the resulting, you know, aftermath as, um, as war is ugly for everyone involved. But, um, you know, you can expect that it's going to get worse. You know, we're, we can expect similar things like that to happen in the U S unfortunately. Um, you know, I'm not trying to speak curses over our country or anything. I'm just, I have eyes too. Um, and we can all see what has been taking place for years in terms of, um, people that don't belong here coming here and, and not just that don't belong, but, um, hate our way of life, you know? So the, the point is that there is a hope and a peace in Jesus that is unexplainable and hard to understand for those who don't know Jesus. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the point of what I want to talk about today really is the peace 
in Jesus. Yeah, I, I completely what understand do you think, that, Sam? that that peace in Jesus, like, you know, I and a lot of the audience have gone through some hard times over the past two or three years. And for as hard as, as it could, as it is, um, it's not that bad because to, to not do what I've done would have been so much more difficult to go against what, what the Lord is pushing me to do, to stand against evil, really. I mean, there's, there's no other way to describe injecting someone with a bioweapon against their will as it's, it's evil. And to not stand against that with the knowledge that I have as a physician would also be evil. And there's no way I could look at myself in the mirror. There's no way I could pray to God and, and, and be right with Jesus, so to speak, if I didn't do that. So any hardship that comes from that, really, it's, it's a pleasure to, to be chosen to fight at this time. There is, uh, there's someone that's going to hate you no matter what you say. So if you're going to be persecuted, you might as well just speak truth and be persecuted for righteousness sake. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm reminded of um, the, you know, we talked about this before the uh, off camera um, a little bit about just sort of the shock factor of what took place over the last few years. Um, and I don't, um, I don't place my faith on man. Um, having said that, I recognize that God uses man. Um, and very often God chooses to use unlikely man. Um, so I'm, I'm reminded of how, um, the status quo in our country was for years, you know, the, the back and forth ping pong volleying politically between red and blue. And, and, you know, this season we're all red and this side of the country is happy. And the next season we're all blue and the other side of the country is happy. And you go back and forth and then, um, 45 shows up on the scene and doesn't care too much about red or blue. He just wants things in our country to be better. He wants our citizens to have a better life. You know, he wants the cost of gas to be lower. He wants the cost of groceries to be lower. He wants us to have better access to um, goods that are made in our country versus, um, you know, uplifting countries that frankly hate us. Um, so, uh, early on, when 45 took office, um, I was amazed at how, I should probably frame this by saying, I didn't come to know the Lord until October of 2017. So 45 was in office for, um, you know, almost a year uh, before I came to know the Lord and was began walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. So the beginning of 45, I was looking at it completely through the fleshly lens of politics, world events, politics, politics, right? Um, and then after that, there was a transitional period where I was still kind of caught up in the politics, but I was walking with the Lord and, and discovering walking in the spirit at the same time. And um, what I noticed, uh, and I'm presumably I'm, I'm speaking, preaching to the choir uh, with your audience here, but 
what I noticed was um, a supernatural hatred towards him from both sides, both red and blue, that didn't make a lot of sense to the casual observer, right? To if, if you just were being intellectually honest about what was going on, everything about the policies that were instilled by him was an improvement over where we had been before. And yet he was universally hated by everyone. Uh, so much so that I had heard that there were 40 different attempts to um, remove him from this earth. Um, and he was, uh, you know, regularly ordering, um, you know, lunch for the whole team, like, f- you know, 50 hamburgers all at once so that no one knew which hamburger was going to 45 and which one was going to the people next to 45. And, and he would do stuff like that, um, frequently because he knew that, um, they didn't want him where he was. So, um, Fast forward to, you know, the events that that you and I talked about before uh, before air, Sam, about the sickness and and uh, the the needles involved and um, really the the evil that exposed itself during that season was um, was an eye opening season of events. Um, so as I, as I say that, you know, looking, looking through the lens of the Bible at what's going on. And, uh, we know that, uh, in the end times, you know, pestilence will increase and, and famines and things like that. Um, and I noticed that it, you, you find yourself where you couldn't buy or sell unless you had this mark to verify that you had complied, basically. You had complied with the government, we'll call it. And in Revelation 13 um, is where it talks about uh, in the tribulation there will be, um, he's referred to as the Antichrist um, and, and the beast. And he is a man that comes to um, unite the world together. And for a period of time, he will be universally loved. Everyone's going to love him because there's going to be chaos and he's going to come in and bring everybody together. And for, for a time, that looks great. But in the middle of that time, he goes from being a unifier to his own God. And he's going to force people to, if you want to continue to operate in the um, the daily conveniences of life, like going to the grocery store and going to ball games and doing whatever it is you want to do, then you're going to have to receive this mark on your right hand or on your forehead. So, uh, as these as these things are happening in in uh, in twenty and twenty one. Um, it, the parallels were undeniable that what what took place was not the mark of the beast um, as it's as it's referred to in Revelation 13. But when looking at Bible prophecy, the you don't just wake up one day and there's a mark of the beast. <laughs> you know, there's a period there's a period of time where where people are um, talked into it. We'll say 
Um, and so one of the, one of the great revelations for me out of the spring of 2020 was the speed at which the entire world changed from the beginning of February to the end of April was the whole world stopped. I mean, the entire world came to a grinding halt and it was amazing to me. It was amazing that it was, that it happened. It was amazing how fast it happened. I was shocked at how Americans responded to it. I was pained at how leaders in the Christian community responded to it. Um, but it was verification of what you can expect, um, a trial run, you might say, um, you know, getting the public used to being told what to do and forced to comply with what you're told what to do. Um, so there's coming a day when that's going to happen and it will, you know, this time it was happened at, it happened at the expense of um, convenience, largely. For for some, it was worse than convenience. It was job threats, and it was job loss, and it was all sorts of you know painful realities. For others, it was just an inconvenience. For for me, praise God, I live in Florida, so um, through all of it, I lived in and still live in a land of freedom, a land that respects freedom. Um, and I, I praise God for Ron DeSantis um, and being able to live under his uh, leadership for through that period of time. But um, we live in a divided nation, and there were there were areas of our same country that were like North Korea during that same time. Um, so seeing how that transpired was very eye-opening to me from a from an eschatology standpoint eschatology being the term used for end times theology um the book of revelation and so forth so um when you see things happen like that uh, another example is uh, there's there's a um there's a verse in revelation that talks about in one day babylon is fallen is fallen fallen twice. Um, and I believe a, a precursor to that was the World Trade Center, that Babylon has fallen, is fallen. Um, just as an example of, of sort of the way that you can see precursors to how things will happen, the, the World Trade Center was not the fulfillment of that prophecy and revelation, but I think it was a precursor to it, just as this shot that we were exposed to was not the mark of the beast. But it was a precursor to it. It was a getting the public used to being told what to do and what the ramifications are if you don't comply, which, Sam, you have been introduced to all, all too painfully, right? Um, so, yeah, and much of the audience. So um, what I would present to you is that I expect the same thing that happened in 20 and 21. Um, I expect it to come about again. Um, it may or may not involve a sickness. It may be some other uh, world event, um, some sort of trauma or war or something along those lines. 
but um, I believe that there is there's no way that the blue team wins the next time that there is a a day held where we go line up and choose our leaders. There's no way that happens. So they're going to do everything they can to stop that from happening. And I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak prophetically as if I know, but just as, um, as an observer, um, being mindful of what has happened and, and what they're capable of, uh, I, I would I would expect anything in, in the next year. And I want to encourage the audience to, you know, if if you've been duped by any of this, because at the beginning, when when all of this started back in like March of 2020, I was duped. I, you know, my pastor called me. I was in Alaska. He called me and said, "What do you think we should do?" And I said, "I don't, I don't know. This looks bad. This looks like 1918 bad." Now, if I knew my real history, I'd know that I, I know the truth behind 1918 and the pandemic then. Uh, but I said let's let's do what's cautious let's let's hold off meeting together for a week or two now i was completely duped and, I, and i'm telling you that not because i've been withholding that ever it's just it's never come up and so i want to be honest with you and then shortly after that is when i realized that this is this is the unseen realm doing a real world psyop against the human mind and and it worked and if you've been duped by it don't be afraid that it was designed to do that it was designed to to, to get people and to convince them. And, and the, this unseen realm has had thousands of years to figure out how the human mind works. And if you really want to see how, how the unseen realm works, read um, Screwtape Letters. And it, it was written in the 70s, and it's relevant to this very moment because human psychology has not changed. And it's amazing to see how the unseen realm and the evil one works and gets at people. And just it's that whispering in the ear, and it, it's the fear that drives you a certain direction that it wants you to go. And it's not towards God. They want you to drive you away from God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have been involved in um, deliverance ministry for uh, several years now. And I can, I can tell you that the spiritual realm is more real than the, uh, the physical realm that's in front of you. You know, I look out the window and I see the, the big giant oak trees in my front yard. And that is a temporary condition. That oak tree will eventually die. It will fall over. It will rot and it will become dust again. But the spiritual world is eternal. And there is a war in the heavenlies that um, is taking place, has been taking place and is not going to cease until the return of Jesus. And that is what we see in our physical reality is the result of what has already transpired in the spirit. That's why um, prayer is uh, so important in daily life, you know, in um, standing in the gap for loved ones, um, praying not just. Um, not just praying against sickness, but praying um, for the delivery of loved ones out of the clutches of evil um, and having a knowledge of the Lord and what his will is 
is sort of mission critical to that. You, you can't really pray in faith if you don't know what God's will is to begin with. And his word is his will. So we know by reading his word what his will is so we can pray in agreement with his will and his word. Um, and prayers made in faith can have the, the confident expectation that they will be answered. So, um, the, what I have seen just to, to, to come back to your point of the, the spirit realm, um, is that, um, Jesus had, uh, many incidents where he cast out unclean spirits, um, Probably most notably is the the man with legion, uh, the man of the Gadarenes, that was demonized by a, a legion of demons, which is um, widely understood to be 2,000. So this one man had 2,000 demons within him, which uh, created all sorts of problems for him, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, he was basically um, unable to participate in social life of any kind. He, he was cast out um, into the outer edges of society, um, and he was really not in a, in a place where he could um, even fraternize with the general public. Um, he cut himself. He ran around naked. He was fully demonized. Um, but I think what the, what the general public may be unaware of um, a large part of the church is unaware of is all of this stuff that happened in the Bible still happens today. Um, there is a um, there's a tendency as Americans that we we see life through this American lens. You know that that this is that we only we only see it from our uh, our comfy couch and our air conditioned house with cable TV and Wi Fi, right? Um, but we are the exception and not the rule. Um, I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 billion people in the world that don't even live with clean drinking water. So, um, it, it's, uh, to look at the reality of, of how the world is and how the spirit world operates, um, solely from our experience in America, um, is, not only incorrect, but it frequently leads to deception. Um, so where I'm going with that is when when we are um, praying for deliverance over someone who is demonized, and I don't use the word possessed because um, a, a Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be possessed of the devil, but um, you can be demonized, you can be tormented of the devil, just in the same way that uh, when your house has termites, you don't have termites, your house has termites, right? So what um, an understanding of the, the spiritual realm and, and what you're dealing with in that area is a, a disembodied, intelligent being that their purpose is to destroy your life. Um, and John 10, 10 is sort of a, um, I call it a line in the sand, um, scripture 
whereby on one side of the line you've got that which comes to steal and to kill and to destroy is of the enemy, and that which comes to bring abundant life to you is of the kingdom of heaven. So you can fairly easily look at your life around you. You can look at your teenage daughter. You can look at your work situation or your finances or your health. And you can ask yourself, is what's happening to me or my loved one or this situation, is it bringing abundant life or is it stealing, killing and destroying from me? And the degree to which it is stealing, killing and destroying um, may lead you to discover that there's actually it's not just bad luck. (laughs) You know, there may actually be an intelligent being attached to it that is causing problems. Um, and there's, um, there's a ton of movies and TV shows and things that have come out over the, over the decades past that, um, can lay euphemism, uh, to, to what I'm talking about. And one that just comes to mind as we're talking is a movie from the eighties called gremlins. You remember that one, Sam? I think so. Yeah. That's where you feed them water or food and they turn into these. It's yeah, it's, it's these little, it's these little monsters and, and they, they seem cute and fun and, and, um, but you, you feed them sugar or something like that and, and they destroy everything. Right. That's, and the way really interesting that you put that because children who eat sugar will often have behavioral issues. Not always, not all of them. I noticed it with my kids. Right. And we give them processed food. And, and remember, the the prince of this world is the evil one. And he has control mm-hmm. over the material world. And so when you give material things that are bad for your kids, and then they have an outburst and that damages relationships around them, this is just reason to give them strong foods that God created for humans to eat. And go back and look at my other episodes yep. where I talk about diet. Yep. Yeah, there are um, there are ways that you can identify if you have some sort of um, entity causing problems. And, and I'm not talking about the movies like Poltergeist, where your lights flicker and stuff like that. It's, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm talking about um, like um, an example is addiction. Any kind of addiction that no matter how hard you try, you just can't shake it hundred percent of the time there is demonic activity going on there. So it's likely that you need deliverance of some sort, um, whether it's alcohol and drugs or pornography, or if there is something that you just, um, you're even crying out to God, God, I just can't stop it. You know, I just, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to take another drink. I don't want to watch pornography anymore. It's wrecking my marriage or I don't want to, Whatever, you know, whatever this thing is that you just feel like it literally has a grip on you, it's probably because it has a grip on you. Um, There are things that are more um, subtle that may or may not be demonic. Uh, Like not all sickness is demonic, but no sickness is of the kingdom of heaven, right? So sickness at no point is bringing you abundant life (laughs) at no point is sickness um, making your life better. Now God can take your sickness 
and he can use it for his good. He can turn around and heal you and make a testimony out of it. He can bring you and make you whole. And um, he can even uh, force the enemy to pay back sevenfold whatever he stole from you. But uh, sickness is not of the kingdom of heaven ever. Um, and there are some religious teachings that want to spin that around and and make it into, you know, God gave me cancer to teach me a lesson or um, God gave me MS to teach me to slow down or whatever. That's nonsense. That is not biblical and that's not true. God is a good God and he is a God of love. Um, and um, a good God will point at the stove and tell you, don't touch that stove. It'll burn you. A bad father will take your hand and put it on the hot stove and say, see, I told you, right? So uh, a good God, a good father doesn't do that. A good, a good father will warn you. A bad father will show you, you know, by, by, you know, creating pain. So um, in the demonic, in the spiritual realm, the way that these entities gain access to your house, so to speak, is through sin. So think of it this way. We are, we are made in the image of God. We as human beings are made in the image of God, according to Genesis 1. And as uh, the image of God, God the Father is a spirit, so we are spiritual beings. God the Holy Spirit has emotions and a soul. So we have a soul which consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Um, and we have a fleshly body, just as Jesus had a fleshly body. So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body for a period of 80 or 90 years, however long you're here on this earth, and then you will shed this body and go on into eternity. Either eternity separated from God, which is referred to as hell, or eternity in the presence of God, which is referred to as heaven. It's as simple as that. Um, so what happens is in this, in this same metaphor where we talk about your house, um, if you leave the doors and windows open in your house, you are leaving an opportunity for pests to come into your house and s destroy things, right? Um, if you, I live in a place where we have squirrels. And if you leave the doors and windows open and you've got food out on the counter, you might end up with squirrels in your house. Well, what happens with squirrels in your house is they chew on everything, right? They'll chew on your, they'll chew on your wiring. They'll chew on your plumbing. They'll chew on your countertop, whatever, you know, they just destroy stuff. Same with raccoons, right? These, these are pests. Um, people don't make pets out of termites because they destroy their host. But this is how, this is how the demonic works, right? So, by by leaving the door of sin open in your life, what you're doing is you're allowing that entryway for demons to come in and get comfortable, for lack of a better word. Um, if there is, if you're walking in righteousness, but you've got this one hidden sin, then you've just got one door open in your house, and that may lead to demonic activity, and it may not. But um, it is certainly the doorway. If you are um, living in unrepentant multiple sins, you're leaving multiple doors and windows 
open to your house. And these are the ways that the enemy comes in to wreck everything that you've got going on. And he will, he will wreck everything that you will allow him access to. Um, and most times when someone is having a, um, you know, a demonic stronghold that is messing with them or their family or the finances or the job or something, there is some sort of sin that allowed it in that they need to repent from, turn away from, um, and allow the Lord to set them free from this demonic activity. Uh, and I've seen it many times, uh, many times, I don't know, hundreds of times at this point, I guess, but um, sometimes people are set free and just, you know, just like, um, like a puff of air, like it, like it just, things are just different. And sometimes it's violent. I mean, I've seen people rolling around on the floor and vomiting and, and everything else as, as these things come out of them. Um, but what is universally true is when they come out, there is a peace and a freedom that is, um, incredible. It's, it's hard to even describe it without having seen it. But often people get so used to being a, a pin cushion or a, a punching bag for um, the spirit that they don't even they don't even know what freedom really is until they receive it. Um, and then it just becomes this amazing awakening, you know. So I didn't expect us to talk about demonic today, but uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. I just trust the Holy Spirit to lead us where we're going to where we're going to go. You yeah. Know? But uh, it's a reality, and, and a lot of people don't understand it. Um, you know, many people are taught that once you become a Christian, then you are impervious to demons, and that's silly and not true. Want. I mean, a, a Christian, can you can have whatever you want to have. You know, you, you can have whatever you want to have. You can have termites. You can... <laughs> <laughs> you can have righteousness. You you know you can you can have a walk with the Lord, or you can you can say a prayer when you're eight years old, and then go you know be a knucklehead for decades like I did. You know, so um, praise the Lord. We have a we have a deliverer in Jesus. We have a good God that loves us. He provides us with so much grace and so many ways out of whatever nonsense we we get ourselves into through you know rebellion or poor choices or sin or just just our own stupidity you know praise god god's got enough grace to come in and like a good father to come and pick you up out of the mud and clean you off and say it's okay son you can come home and that is the grace message of hope in a nutshell that no matter what you have done, no matter what you have been through, the enemy wants to come and get in your head and convince you that you're not good enough. You have, you have gone too far, um, and you are unredeemable. Um, a, a thing that's, that is common in um, Hollywood is the selling your soul for fame and fortune, right? And it's a real thing. People really do it. Um, and they make a ceremony out of it and, you know, cut their finger and do a blood contract and all this stuff. And they, they really do this. Um, and they are convinced that, you know, because I have done this, I'm irredeemable. But there is no 
sin that you can do that you cannot be redeemed from through the blood of Christ. And that is the goodness of our God. In fact, the the thing that keeps most pastors up at night is the fact that there are murderers in heaven and there are apple pie baking grandmas in hell. And that is a reality. Um, It doesn't have to be that way. But King David was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Um, And yet all of these men repented, turned to God, and in their repentance and in their humility were used by God in amazing ways. So um, just because you have made some choices over your life that, that the enemy wants to convince you that you have gone too far down a path, you should know right now today that you are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. And I want to lead you in a prayer as you're watching this today and, and you think, wow, that's a, that's a lot of information <laughs> that I, I received today. But I want you to know that there is freedom in Jesus. And I want to lead you in a prayer. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe that He died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day so that you may have everlasting life. The Bible says that if you believe that, you shall have everlasting life. So right now, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just repeat along with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I know that I am a sinner, and I know that I am in need of salvation. I choose this day to repent of my sins, And I want you to just take a moment to name your sins. Name them out loud. If you don't know what sin is, go look at Galatians 5, 19 and 20. There's a detailed list of what sins are. But name your sins before the Lord. There is a cleansing process that comes from this. And James even talks about how healing in your physical body can come from the confession of your sins. So once you have confessed your sins before the Lord, just say, Lord, I thank you that right now, you have saved me. I thank you that right now from this day forward, I have become a child of God because your word says that I have and your word is true. Now, if you've said that prayer today in Jesus name, I believe according to scripture, you have become born again. And as a born again creation, the Bible says that old things have passed away and all things have become new. The Bible also says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing is a bold statement, because we have had a long conversation today about all the things that could create anxiety, and yet we're commanded, be anxious for nothing. So that should tell you that no matter what you are faced with, no matter what is thrown at you in family or health or life or you know, world events or you know, who knows what uh, tomorrow holds, but no, no matter what comes your way, you can take that and give it to God and tell Him, Lord, take this anxiety away from me because you have promised that I am to be anxious for nothing. So I trust you with this yoke of heaviness that I have put on my head, I take it off and I receive your yoke 
because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And I would encourage you, if you're not affiliated with a local church, go find a local Holy Spirit-filled church. Go get baptized in water and go fellowship with other believers. It's, it's good to be around other believers just in the same way that it's good for a pack of antelopes to all stay together because it's the one that veers off the pack that the tigers run after, right? So there is a um, there is a comfort and there is a power in numbers when you are around other believers, whether it's a whether it's a big church or it's a five person house church, it doesn't really matter. It's just getting together with fellow believers and uh, worshiping and praising the Lord and talking about His goodness and and talking about um, you know the testimonies of of the good things that He does in daily life. Praise God. Amen. Steve, thank you so much for Amen. coming. Thank you so much for sharing the word and and sharing Jesus with us. Praise God. It is my great pleasure to be here. I'm I'm happy that you invited me and I'm I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there. Duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice, has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf. It's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then shipped to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours. Mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours.